0: Today, I have John Kovich with me on our episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast, and we are going to talk about travel and Cuba and other fun fly fishing stuff. Is that what we're talking about? We really have no plan today. I was going to say, than, I've got no, I've
1: got no there, advance warning of anything. Yeah, there's so. no
0: outline. There's no uh, no prepped questions <laughs> or anything like that. We'll do our best. Yeah. So, But, um, but it's always great to have you on uh, the podcast with me, and it's been a while.
1: Obviously, the best viewed and most listened to right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's just dive into Cuba real quick because um, I mean, we've, we've hosted seven, seven trips to Cuba we've had. uh, So I'm assuming that some of the people that are even listening or watching, watching have gone with me, or maybe they've gone with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm just always super intrigued by that, uh, that country. Um, I just finished reading a book. And um, I, I can't remember the author's name, but it's called. Oh gosh, I got to remember at least the title. An American Cuba in American History.
1: Yeah, right. I, I've had customers talk about that book, Ooh. and I need to. I do need to read it. It's, it's one I haven't so, read. Yeah.
0: It's fascinating, mm, yeah. fascinating, and and it's fascinating in the sense of. I did not realize how entangled the history of Cuba is with, with the, the United States. Exactly. Yeah. With right. everything from, you know, the the <laughs> the war with the Spaniards to even to like their constitution and right. how like just the US was able to just entangle themselves in their and yeah. it I mean, so I don't know, it's kind of funny cuz people like complain about uh, you know, sometimes I, I've had some customers are like, like, oh, I hate that you do trips to Cuba. I would never go support a mm-hmm. you know communist country, and it's right. like, it's like, well, this is kind of a result <laughs> of like the yeah. U.S.'s you know international you make, policy a hundred years ago. You and, can make that argument, yeah. Um, sure. you know, it's yeah. yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. So, anyways, um, so I, I've done a bunch of trips there. You've done tons of trips there. But I, this last trip was my first trip since uh COVID, mm-hmm. and so I had been I had uh gone to Cuba in January of 2020 and then uh finally so got right th- before right before mm-hmm. and then got to go here. When was that January of 23? Yeah, yep, yeah. mm-hmm. I felt like just walking around in Havana, I felt like it it just seemed different. It is, um, it it seemed like there was a lot less people around. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, is that, do you think that's just because with less tourists, then there's less Cubans kind of hanging around old Havana area or like what? And there was kind of like a atmosphere, like a, just a a group dynamic that was just different. It felt, I don't know. It it felt kind of sad. Like people kind of were, I don't know. Maybe there just wasn't the, the, the buzz Exactly. You know what I mean? So I don't exactly. know.
1: Well, I think it's a combination of a couple of things for sure. You know, if you think back to 2016 when Obama went to Cuba and there were lots of changes in, in, and more than anything, there was hope in the air, right? Right. So when you talk to your Cuban friends there, they were excited about what they thought the future might bring. It didn't mean that they were going to get a different government necessarily, but they thought with this opening up, with more Americans coming here, with more tourism, Um, you know, I see some possibilities for myself. I can now ask my, my relatives in the U S for a loan and fix up my house to make it a casa. to, you know, to rent, to tourists, all that kind of stuff. Then you had, you know, the change in presidencies and the change in policy towards Cuba. Then you had the pandemic and I think all that stuff was a little bit of a perfect storm to affect Cuba more than some other places because they couldn't rely on like, like during COVID here, we still had great business. Right? Right. I mean, kind of ridiculous business. Well, yeah, in, in Cuba, tourism is the business, right? right? At this so this with, Without it, uh, the island got hit really hard. I mean, yeah. life there was incredibly difficult uh, during COVID and still really difficult because although there are tourists there, and I've seen a difference, it seems to be getting a little bit better in terms of there being a few more tourists around. Because I remember going last fall and really being affected by being in Old Havana and noticing how many people kept coming up to me and approaching me for cigars, for tours, for restaurants, for all that stuff that you would get anyway in Old Havana. But it was a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's because we were so visible. Because yeah. There was nobody else on you know O'Reilly Street where there used to be groups and groups of, yeah. um, of tourists. And I think as you saw as well and talking to people there, uh, life is really hard for the average Cubans We're, why we've experienced so many of the guides and that have left um, Cuba right so they've had something like what 300,000 people they think that have left Cuba yeah in the last couple of years
0: yeah so in the 90s they had a really difficult time mm-hmm. with um, with the support of the Soviets just um, you know evaporating mm-hmm. and they refer to it as the special period right, right? Exactly. And, yeah um, and so You know, since there, you know, I mean, there was definitely hardship here for, I mean, gosh, I definitely don't want to be a restaurant owner in 2020 or 2021 in, in, you know, uh, the States. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you're in the outdoor industry, I mean, it was, that was, it was great. But, um, but I, I almost, do you think that, uh, that. In history, they're going to look back at just that COVID time. Is it going to have as much of a mark on them as that special period in the 90s? it, It
1: could have as much. It could have more. You know, because I I think, again, if you talk to people who live through the special period, Felipe is a good example. Right. Um, We're talking about Felipe, who was a famous guide um, in the Zapata area. And Felipe is in his late 60s, I think, is where he is now. So he lived through the special period. I mean, he was an adult in the special period. And he told me that this last couple of years has has been more difficult than the special period.
0: That's that's a pretty big that's, statement. Yeah, that's a huge right? statement. Now, that's...
1: now I I think that historically, if you look at what the changes that took place in Cuba because of the special period, that might be a more monumental bit of history. This might be a more difficult time, maybe. You know, life is even harder now yeah. than it might have been in the 90s, but um you know, they're waiting for tourism to come back and they're probably going to rely on it again where they had to change everything, right? In the 90s where they relied on the Soviet Union, the money from the Soviet Union right. and, and uh, sugar exports and blah, blah, blah. Where, where they get their fuel. Yeah. You know, I mean, really right. basic stuff. Well, yeah. there is no fuel. Yeah. So that was just there, right? I got home a week ago. Okay. From a trip. And um, I remember being in Havana and having a tax. I was at, talking to the taxi driver about just that. And he said, just wait a minute. And we got to a place that was a gas station just for um, taxis. And there were at least 300 taxis lined up for gas and he said right now the average wait is between a day and a half and two days to get gas to get fuel the guides when i had a group i was in Playa larga the main handler there came to me and said john he said i don't want really you you know this is between you and i but uh, we only have enough fuel for you know nothing extra Right. So the guides are going to do less running around in the boats. Right. And he, he had to explain that to me. I didn't say anything to clients because I did. I wasn't sure that there would be something noticeable or not. Right. And I didn't want to make it an issue with anybody. Uh, they ended up getting a little bit more fuel and felt a little more comfortable about it. But they had to come to me to say we might r- basically we might run out of fuel. Because
0: they have a pole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's no, it's it's um, it just makes you think about and appreciate. The stuff that uh we just take for granted you know i mean you know i go to the store and i'm you know i get all disappointed when you know the avocados are 99 cents more than mm-hmm. you know they were last week or something right, but. right. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no,
1: I mean this is just a this is just an amplification of life in Cuba, right? As you yeah. said, life you know was difficult there anyway. It was always challenging. There right. was an art to being there's kind of an art to being a Cuban and staying alive, right? They've, they've got all these ways of doing things, and I know I probably said this on one of the previous podcasts, but one of this I remember hearing this from a Cuban, they said, our national pastime is waiting in line, <laughs> right, is what they said, and they started laughing about it, and yeah. everybody else that was Cuban there started laughing about it, because they are like, yeah, it's, right. you know, we do go from one store, that store has chicken, but it doesn't have rice, and go to the next store, wait in line, and they just run out of rice, and yeah. so we go to five stores we find before we can find rice to go with the chicken. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Kind of well, um, so, I mean, it's great that we're taking anglers down there, because it really does, um, imp- impact the local people, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, Americans have been uh, banned from staying at certain <laughs> hotels, because they're, you know, run by the, you know, the military, or, you know, well, whatever, they're owned in part by the government, by the government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so people, you know, so the the, the thought is, you, you can't sit in the hotel, because the money goes to the government and the government, then that money is for funding their military, and you know, the and suppressing the people, yeah, and all that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. And there, there's you know, definitely a bunch of corruption with sure. government officials and all that kind of stuff. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but when we do trips, like we don't stay in the hotels, we don't have, I mean, we don't want to, and we don't no, have right. to. And right. um, some of the places to stay are super cool.
1: They they are, and I mean, I'm I'm really happy that you do that. Um, because when I, you know, when I talk to my people that I lead on trips and they start asking me about hotels, I, I always tell them and say, you know, you got options. If you really want to, you can start, you can stay at Parque Central Hotel. You can sure. stay there now. But I, but I always make the point of saying, first of all, it's probably $350 a night. And I, I just, I'm not that good. I, I'm only just sleeping there, right? right? I mean, I like nice things, but I don't really need that. But more importantly, the point I always have with those pe- with those people is: look at life around you in Cuba, right? Yeah. Um, you're doing good when you can eat in a little local guy's restaurant or take a trip in his cab or whatever. And those nights, the same thing. You yeah. Are dealing with normal Cubans. You're not surrounded by tourists. You get to experience life in Cuba a little bit more. And most importantly, if it's fifty bucks a night. Right, including breakfast at your little hotel. Yeah, forty of it probably goes to the casa, and the other ten still goes to the government. You're still, sure. you know, going to help out uh, in one way or another. But
0: it, there's some you know. things that are similar with every other country on the face of the planet. Yeah. And that is, the government will get its slice right, one right. way yeah. or another. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but again, I, I do want to make this point uh, uh, just because you you brought it up, and it's again something that I, I have to talk to people about um, to make the point of saying. Yes, you can make the argument that if you're in Cuba, you are going to be putting some money in the government's pocket. There's no way around that, right? Sure. It's built into your plane ticket. You know, that It's like sales tax here in Game Harbor. There's, there's fees know? for the airline to sure. use the runway. The runway is owned yeah. by the government. You, know, you start there and then go on. But just as you said- they're lovely people. Yeah. We, I mean, you know, how many friends do you have in Cuba now? Right. Right? Yeah. They're lovely people. And when you go and you give the guy a tip, you give the gal in the kitchen a tip, you stay at a place, you see the effect that you have by being there and by, by, you know, favoring, you know, again, the small places. And so I make that argument to say, hey, you can maybe make life a little bit better in Cuba by going rather than the argument of saying you know i'm going to stay away because my money is going into the pocket of the government yeah right? i understand yeah. both arguments but sure. i think one is stronger than the other personally
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh, so what we're talking about um just to be clear is the they call them casa particulars and it's it's like a vrbo an airbnb <laughs> it's uh, uh, cubans that have fixed up their homes and are able to rent them out and that's actually like a newer regulation with the that the government has allowed and i th- was that in 2016?
1: No, no, it was much earlier, actually. It, yeah, so it was quite been, a bit earlier okay. that that was allowed to happen. Now it may have been that Airbnb proper, okay, they, they, you know that it, wasn't, yeah. it was a business functioning there okay. beforehand, but no, there were Casa particulares that were allowed in the early 2000s under Fidel, I believe. Interesting. Okay. And Paladar, same thing with the private restaurants. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so yeah, those it's a it's a big business. You can go to Playa Larga. I mean, every, basically every house is a cost particular part of it is, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, it's yeah. a big, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah. It's a big yeah. deal. So, um, you know, and many of you have stayed in Airbnbs or VRBOs, um, and you know, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like VRBO or Airbnb, like take their slice mm-hmm. and for, you know, for booking fees and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are running, you know, their investments by having Airbnbs and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's the same thing in Cuba. It's like, that's, I mean, p- people have jobs. Mm-hmm. But that uh, that casa that they're renting out, they're going to make their family is going to make way more money yeah. from that than their wage for their job right. that they have. And it's not even it's it's a stark contrast.
1: Exactly. And, and the other part about it is as the traveler who's paying the money, it's not a sacrifice or it doesn't have to be. Right. right. Because I no, remember when 13. I first started when I first started doing it, I, I didn't really know what I was doing and, and what was available there. So I remember staying in places where you had a room in the house sure And so you'd have to if you left your room you were in the uh, you'd walk out the family sitting around watching t- television you're like oh, excuse <laughs> you're me you know lie. and that's kind of you know that's kind of terrible and then you find out oh wait a minute there are, you can rent a whole apartment that's a yeah. private place or it's like some of the places that you've rented, which are big houses that have five rooms right or something and then somebody comes and checks on you maybe serves you breakfast or whatever but the whole place is yours and some of them are really beautiful right
0: yeah especially um, yeah. Uh, Especially in Havana, there's some that, the the architecture and um, there's just some, yeah, some really cool, cool spots. I haven't, um, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've really stayed at any, I haven't stayed at any Casa Particulars um, other than Havana. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, really? Because when I was down in Playa Larga, I was at the Playa Larga Hotel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Won't do that again. No, no, no. We use a Casa. Yeah. 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 But I'm really excited because this uh, trip that I'm this cultural (laughs) trip that we're hosting next uh, March that you're helping uh, us organize and uh, we're going to get to stay in casas that are outside of Havana. So we're going first to Vinales, which is let's share a little bit about Vinales. Sure.
1: It's my favorite place in Cuba. I actually by kind of by far. I mean, I love going to Havana. I like going to Trinidad. But I'd go I would go hang out in Vinales for 10 days. Is that great? And, no, I mean because it's um, well, it's got a little bit of everything. You yeah. know, First of all, when you when you arrive there, well, first of all, you know to, to to go backwards a little bit. It's about two and a half hours drive west of Havana. If you have gas. If you have <laughs> you find gas, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it's this unique um, it's this unique place. It's a valley, and when you get there, you know you you're in the van, and suddenly you get to kind of a little peak, and you see it, and you're like. Wow, what is that? Because it's so verdant. I mean, it's just lush green with, um, you know, red dirt fields that you can see from distance, and it's surrounded by these crazy rock formations. Hmm. I'm spacing on the name of, of, of those mountains. They're called mountains. Yeah, well, no, they've got a they've got a particular <laughs> name for these crazy formations because it looks like it looks like Jurassic Park kind of stuff. Oh wow! Okay. So it's beautiful, and so um, then you get down in there, and there's a lot of Casa Particulares, and there's enough tourists. That which means that there are actually really nice little restaurants and cafes, cool. right, in the street. So you can you can go do that, but you can stay in a little place that has pigs, you know, in the backyard, and um you feel like you're you're experiencing the the the, the country way of life. Yeah. Because as you're there on the rooftop having a mojito at night, you can see the guy in the field tilling the field behind two oxen. Yeah. You know. So it's it's an amazing place and honestly it's one of my one of my favorites and there you stay at Casa Lola and the, again that's a family so Lola and her husband Osmani you know they own and run the place and you see their kids and stuff and they are as lovely a couple as you ever met and you, again you get that Cuban hospitality but more of it because you're in the countryside, you're their only guests when you're there versus across a particular in Havana where life is busier right. and everything else. And of course, this is where they grow the tobacco, all the famous tobacco, most all of the famous tobacco in Cuba is grown in the valley because it's perfect for it. One of the things they say is that because it's close to the northern coast that the wind pushes the sea air that direction to the south and it drops into the valley and you know, it sinks to the valley floor and it yeah. stays quite a while and it keeps it more cool and more humid and that's okay. apparently better for the tobacco. Um, and a lot of that valley is required, the farmers are required to not use any mechanized uh, stuff to actually farm. And in some cases they can't afford it anyway but so you go to parts of that valley where it, again you see the drying houses for the tobacco which are really cool anyway and and again all the fields are being tilled usually by you know one guy behind two oxen. Very and cool. You tour, you know, those farms and see how they do things. They grow they grow coffee there. Um, they make rum of course. Uh, there they grow tobacco and tell you about that whole process and it's it's awesome. So that's usually cool. where you start. That's usually yeah, I like that the best to it. pick them up you know, pick your group at the air, uh, up at the airport go straight to Vinales. Because you know, some people, if they're coming from the West Coast, they might have done a red eye. They may have had, you know, they may have gone to Miami and spent the night. And it's a nice little bit of a break, I think. Okay. Because you're in, you're in the countryside. You can take a deep breath. Yeah. And Havana's busy, right? Yeah. You get your, you get your share of it, but I, I don't like, if you've got my choice, I'll go to the countryside first and then pass through Havana and then do your, the other stuff.
0: Nice. Right. I um I was flying. Uh-uh. Where was I flying? Oh, recently I was flying out to Chicago, and on Alaska Airlines, one of the shows that you could watch was it was called uh, Cuba: A Food Story. Have you seen this? No. So it's this young um this young guy. I think he was born in Cuba, um but he goes goes to Cuba and and visits all over the country to try to discover like his Cuban food heritage Mm -hmm. and uh and and what and he goes to Vinales Uh and so this was like really the other than like some photos that you've shown me this was like really the only thing I've seen I'm like oh my gosh this looks super cool wasn't it cool it looks really cool and it's a really I would recommend uh Cuba a food story cool that's that's great I think that's what it's called Uh um but yeah no it's it's a it's a cool little little film I don't I don't know um I don't know other than on alaska airlines you know on the yeah flight. well I don't i'm know sure you'll even... find it I mean, it's, it's probably on online YouTube somewhere or yeah, yeah something like that okay. but um but it was pretty cool so we're staying in Viñales and then we go back to havana yeah right and i've spent a lot of time in havana and um and i love havana it's super fun um and I, there this last trip though we went to the cuban um the art museum mm-hmm. um Yeah, that's what it is.
1: Is it the Museum of Contemporary Art or which which Arte
0: Fabrica?
1: Oh, Fabrica, yeah. Yeah. So that's a private business, actually. Really? So it's FAC. They call it FAC. Yes, Fabrica del Arte Cubano.
0: It was awesome. Yeah, great. But next to the restaurant, and yeah, we tried to go to the restaurant. (laughs) They hadn't gotten our reservation, (laughs) you know, because we placed it online. Because you know, like that's not reliable. But that place is really cool, isn't it? It is cool. It's yeah. super cool. So um, we're, I'm going back there. Yeah, right. I have to. It's, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Right. It's kind of a late night thing, but. Um, it is,
1: It is. I remember I, I just drove by there. Same night, I think, when I'd seen all the taxis lined up because it was yeah. kind of on that drive. I was going to Betalo and or Playa, Playa and Miramar, actually, that yeah. direction. And well, so drove by it, coming back, and it was packed.
0: Yeah. We went yeah. at like 9, mm-hmm. and I think it opens at 9. Mm-hmm. So we went yeah. at 9, and then we left at like, I think, 10.30. Mm-hmm. And, and it was great but when we when we left the there was a line down the street around the corner down the block yeah like, right. it well was... I mean
1: to we should probably explain a little bit you know because you mentioned it as a museum right and unlike a museum where you go to during the daytime and you know Bay guard and go look look at statues and, and photographs or, or paintings I'm sorry uh this is indeed again I think it's it's privately owned. And it was an old factory that I think was an oil factory or something like... Peanut oil. Peanut oil. Yeah, yeah right. And the idea there is it's a, a continuously evolving art project, right? So it's got bars inside yes. and, and food inside. Yes. But it always has some sort of music and maybe maybe two different music venues inside. Yep. And it'll have something on display, maybe a photographic exposition or s- highlighting somebody's paintings or whatever. Well, I remember last time I was there, there was some... Um, Live uh, live performances, like act, uh, I mean, like play, that was going on okay. in one part of it, and th- but but again, that always changes. So it, it's it's very unique for Cuba. I don't think there's any anything like it anywhere else in Cuba.
0: There was a pianist there uh, doing a concert, and there there were several hundred people in this music hall, and we kind of like snuck in the back mm-hmm. and kind of hung. I mean, we, we were like showing up right in the middle of right, it, right? Yeah, um, and it was. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was a piano performance major in college, uh-huh. right? So I, I, I under, believe that I understand piano. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta imagine that this guy was—he's gotta be the top piano player in in the country. Oh, really? Like he it, was that it, good? Huh? It—he was over the top. Wow. Like just, yeah, no, it was super crazy. You don't believe me that I was a piano performance major? Actually, I totally believe you. If you got <laughs> rid—if you got rid of the
1: tattoos, then you—you'd,
0: uh, you know. Well, you that was college part a little bit. I didn't have any I only yeah. had one that do at the yeah. time. Yeah. But um yeah, I know that he was he was pretty incredible. But um but yeah, no, it's a really it's I love how it's laid out and, and like I just feel like you wander down some other hall and you're like, have we been down this but no, we well, haven't right. been down this hall. Like yeah. it's it's just like never ending. And no, I, I feel like we didn't get enough time to be there. Yeah. An hour and a half. You can't it, you just get your toe wet right just, yeah like, exactly just a, te- a test but well um, if you
1: can arrange it i mean next time you i know you try to do that but if you go to el Cocinero, yeah the restaurant next door yeah um and it's a cool vibe and i think as i told you i think the food is okay but it's not incredible but it's a great vibe great vibe and then you can be there for the you know the place next door to open yeah. up the the fabrica to open up yeah it's yeah. a great yeah, we, eat, pretty good evening we
0: we, we w- <clears throat> went to uh the restaurant and and uh they didn't have our reservation, yeah. right? So, so we just went and went upstairs and hung out. And we went up these, uh, these really steep metal stairs, and we went to the bar and got mm-hmm. our drinks. Went up there, and and we had this great view over the restaurant and yeah. over the whole city. And it was it was really we actually could go in this big smokestack. Yeah, so there's this right. old smokestack that goes up geez, it's like, goes up hundred feet. yeah, like it's yeah. massive. Easy, and easy, yeah. and uh, But you can stand inside it and look up and, right. um, and that was that was super cool, but we so, didn't get to try the food. So, you know, <laughs> you
1: know it just came to mind to me because you're in that really cool, you know, well, it's a rooftop bar, yeah. you know. And suddenly there are a lot of really cool rooftop bars in Havana. It's, cool. a, it's a really happening thing. I know, yeah. I know of um, at least four in Old Havana that are really great. I just, uh, last time I was there, I got to brag about this. So, I had a date with two ballerinas. Okay. Not really. So I I think I've told you that, you know, I've gotten to know some of the ballerinas and they- At the dance school. Yeah. Right. Well, this is not, there's another dance school, but these are the, these are members of Cuba's national ballet, Right. And I used to, where I stayed in Medado, one of the places I'd be walking down the street and I would see ballerinas because you could tell they're walking down the street, right? You know, they're ballerinas, the, the way shoes they, out, it the out, the way they, you know, <laughs> the feet and everything. And I kept looking them going, wonder, you know, and I, I, there was a building that was, I could see it was a, it was a, where they practiced. So I kept asking questions and ultimately I made friends with one on Facebook. And then I, that was my in and I've been able to. Uh, privately contact them and have them do performances for some of my groups. Cool. So this time, I brought some things down for one of the gals who just need medicine and stuff. And she was with her girlfriend who's the star of the ballet, honestly. And um, yeah, so I was like, ah, how cool am I? And um, they took me to this beautiful rooftop bar that's right by um, El Floridita. Okay. The bar. It was awesome. Okay. I Very took cool. my clients there, the, you know, two days later.
0: Well, well you mentioned bringing stuff down. Let's talk about sure. bringing stuff down real quick because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you pack up all your stuff. You have, you know, your 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 rods and reels and your uh, clothes and all that that kind of stuff. And and one of the things that that um that I've been doing for years is that I I try to pack light so I can bring um, gifts down for for them. And it, and you know, it's not it's not anything elegant or anything like yeah, that, right. but it's it's really practical stuff. And sometimes not practical, but just small things that are special. And and um and I always just encourage people to do this. And and, um, and for example, we can go to Costco right down the street here mm-hmm. and we can buy like a jumbo bottle of ibuprofen right. yeah. for like $9.99. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a two pack. I think you yeah. get two of them for nine ninety nine. Not just in Cuba, but in a lot of other countries mm-hmm. to buy like nine, just not bottles mm-hmm. like nine. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, Very expensive, Mm -hmm. like very, very expensive. So, um, so to bring down a couple bottles of ibuprofen with um some little plastic baggies, so that when you give it to someone, they can divide it up amongst their family and friends, and you know, I mean, it that's a that's a that's a big deal. It's
1: surprising. I mean, the reaction the reaction you get. To ibuprofen, yeah. you know. That, this last trip, I am I, sorry if I'm interrupting, but this last trip that I was on, we we you know had a great group, all from Texas, and they brought a lot of stuff, and I they were di- dividing it out, and we had a bartender at the place we were staying at, Pedro, great guy, and I was there kind of hanging out, and I saw one of the guests came up and quietly gave him a big huge chocolate bar, yeah, right, and this guy started crying, huh. right, yeah, because because it's like, yeah, you know. We can't get anything. We can't get aspirin. Never mind a good bar of chocolate. Right. You know, and so this guy had brought him this huge bar and it was just over the top how crazy happy he was. Yeah.
0: I remember one of the (laughs) gifts that I brought down were, um, you know, those blue rubber coated gloves. Yeah. You turned me on to that one. And um, they're super cheap. Like, I Mm -hmm. think they're Atlas. I think that's the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. uh, Yeah. And they're like $1.99 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not. They're not very expensive. But, you know, so I'd bring like a 10 pack down. And the guides love those because uh, because, you know, they can grab a, the mouth of a tarpon with it yeah, or right. they could, you know, I mean, it's just they don't have like, you know, or I would imagine like people in the fields like they they don't have gloves, right. you know, I mean, right. Any of that kind of stuff or working on their cars or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And I remember Sheaway holding up this thing. He's like, remember, you gave this to me. And I'm looking at it and I didn't even understand what it was. And he was using it more as a rag than a glove because uh, it was, it torn was apart and... completely torn, ripped it, ripped apart. It was just like a uh, half of the material. It was, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that glove I gave him a year ago. That's right. crazy. Yeah. Well, so my wife's been helping this old guy down the street from us and um, he's like an old retired postal service worker. And they would, those Atlas gloves, they would give him a pair of them every day at work. Every day? And I think so. I think so by how many he had in his garage. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, so. Right. So anyways, I have a tub. She went through and like, you know, Mashed tossed them up, tossed mm-hmm. ones that were, you know, that weren't like in great condition. And then, then I'm like, oh no, no, no. If there's a little bit wrong with it, it's okay. Yeah, like, they'll, exactly. they'll still love it. She's yeah. like, really? I'm like, yeah, we have this tub. I have hundreds Hundreds of them. Yeah. Right. So next time you go, yeah, like, okay, I will, I'll let you know. I will give you some of those. No,
1: I'm really happy. You turn you turned me on to that one and I tell everybody that now. But yeah. I, I think your question was going to be, was it gonna be about what to bring? Is that where well, you're yeah, gonna go with
0: it? Yeah, just like things to bring. So like other stuff that I think that people have really appreciated and loved was like a lot of like little art stuff for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they they love that kind of stuff. The right. so on this last trip we brought so much stuff. Um, it was, it was a little bit over the top. I loved my, my group. They were, they were so generous. It was amazing. We filled the entire dining table, which is massive. Filled the entire thing with, with all this stuff that we brought down. And then what the staff, uh, the staff and the guys, what they did is that they, they, um, they all pulled numbers. So they wrote numbers on and they put in a hat and then, and then, um, so there were some things that would be, uh, you know, some like maybe art supplies or, Mm -hmm. you know, we brought like a box of pencils. Yeah. Well, they, they would even disassemble the stuff. Yeah, and, sure. And then like you pull, so they would take their number and mm-hmm. then that was the person who got to go and they got to take one thing from the mm-hmm. table. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't a box of pencils. They got to one take pencil a pencil, out, right? right? You know, and that's how they divided all of this stuff mm-hmm. up. Well, the two things that were immediately gone were soccer balls. Yeah. We right. brought two soccer balls down, and they were they were gone. Yeah, like no, that's
1: a really big one. You know, that's a big one. And of course, the I, the way to do it, like you did, is to have them deflated, right? And yeah. have somebody. All you need know, is one person to bring one of those little pumps and sure. needle, yeah, and then you can blow it up for them and give it to them. And you know, then
0: and leave so. the pump and leave the exactly <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So
1: so my list these days, I think you you know your, your list is pretty similar. But uh, soccer balls for sure. Yeah, baseballs, yeah, yeah, but baseball is not as important. Right. And, you know, so- soccer is the bi- the big deal any kind of medicine. So certainly ibuprofen and I'll a lot of times divided out already into little packs of like a hundred oh, okay. or something like yeah, that, you know, nice. um, just cause yeah, you give them a big bottle. It's like <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> right. Gonna Don't take bl- it all at it's once. It's going to be on the black market tomorrow. <laughs> um, hi, you know, um, hydrocortisone cream and that, yeah. that kind of stuff is good. Actually any female products, your tampons, all that kind of stuff is great. You know, I mean, it can be a little uncomfortable, but you know, gals yeah. there just can't get stuff. Uh, so that that's a good one. Anything for school supplies, small notebooks, erasers, yeah. highlighters, pencils, pens, glue sticks, uh, um, sidewalk, um, chalk, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, for kids, I think is great. The gloves that you mentioned is a big one. Um, the little, I like the little memory sticks. Yep. Right? I think we've talked about that. The Cubans pass around music and movies and everything else on those little memory uh,
0: sticks. So and that, like underground newspaper Totally type underground of things, everything. Like, yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Um, and another thing that just came up on last trip was, you know, there's a new cheap version of a Boga uh, grip. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like Loon, I think, makes one. They're plastic. Sure. Right? And they're inexpensive. Yeah. And those guys are grabbing tarpon right, and everything right. else and I, I mean having a boat Kudos. Guy, yeah <laughs> that would be a great one to give a guide right um as well and certainly there's a million other things you could bring but that's kind of a good short list yeah i think
0: yeah, yeah. very cool well so far mm-hmm. on our trip we go back to havana yep. and then this is a long time explaining where yeah, we're right, going right. on this uh, this cultural trip so we, we go Viñales, havana and then we're going down to Playa Larga on, uh, which is at the head of the Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's a fishing option there for fishermen that are going to Las Salinas, uh, which is uh, a short taxi ride. They get to go fish the flats each day, but the, uh, the non-anglers get to go to the city of Cienfuegos, Fuegos, mm-hmm. which I haven't, I hadn't really heard much about San Fuegos mm-hmm. un- until more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, to Trinidad yeah. and um, and then we overnight in Trinidad and then go back and meet up with the anglers. So we're, right. we're just away from the anglers for what, for one night, mm-hmm. but now um, now that this is on the itinerary, I've now heard about Trinidad and San Fuegos right, yeah. both. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they sound like just absolutely beautiful. They, cities. they
1: are, they are. San Fuegos is unusual. It doesn't look like any other Cuban city. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because it was a French, it was a, you know, a, a more of a French city. French immigrants and so the design is different and the architecture is different it's really a pretty city it's worth I mean if you're really traveling around Cuba it's worth going there for a day and a night kind of thing for you know your group you're gonna have you would have an afternoon there you would have lunch there and a city tour and then you go on to Trinidad which is more interesting because Trinidad is one of the four or five um, uh, colonial Spanish cities and it's the most it feels the oldest Because it's got all the old architecture and old buildings, but it's got uh, rough cobble streets everywhere. And it's really a great great town. And that stuff you do the next day, I think I was telling you that I did it for the first time. I've been to Trinidad many times, but I always had seen advertisements for these hikes in the mountains. So between Trinidad, which is near the south coast, and the freeway that goes through the middle of the country, the A1, between those two, there's a mountain range closer to the freeway and it's um you know it's a pretty big mountain range for cuban standards right but because of the weather patterns and everything else it creates a little bit of a, a rainforest there so you go up into those mountains are they called the sierra madres that not those the sierra madres are further, further to the east. east okay yeah right um it's based on the name of, of the mountains but um anyway it's full of rivers waterfalls yeah lots of bird life you know, really cool orchid, you know, orchids and stuff. And we did, I hiked through there. It took, I don't know, maybe three hours or something, but really yeah. just a walk. Sure. And we swam in a pool and we had lunch at the end. And that was fantastic. It was really great. Cool. And, and everybody just loved it. And the drive actually is interesting as well because it's short enough that you don't go up and get on the freeway. You yeah. drive through the countryside. And yes. so we saw a lot, again, of Cuban life, in the country, you know, we there was an area there where everybody was uh, harvesting rice. It's a rice growing area. Yeah. So you've seen that. It, you maybe
0: have seen where it. the rice is on the road. On the road. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they were doing that like crazy. So there's collectives there. Um, so it's a lot of private stuff. So some of it they have to give to the government, and then the rest of it they keep for themselves. And they, sure. They've got a they've got a, a system that they divided up, and you know, it's communal land or whatever. But like like Blake said, they dry it on one lane of the road. It only takes 24 hours yeah. to dry it out. But all the cars have to go around. And Someday there's two cars coming, so one runs <laughs> over the rice. You know, horse <laughs> carriage, you know, over the rice as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's why you wash your rice, right? <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> um, and pine. You know, we saw a little uh, a vendor selling these little tiny pineapples, and we stopped and bought pineapples. It was really, it's a really great drive. And as Very you cool. said, it's only one night away from the rest of the group, but it's two days. Sure. So it's a pretty big adventure. I pack a lot in. I I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. And. Once back in Playa Larga, as you mentioned, I think the way we have it set up actually is that you do one day on the river going in. Right. So driving from Havana, when you go south and a little bit east down to the Bay of Pigs and the Zapata Peninsula, you basically go right by the river. So it makes sense on that first day to get up early, leave Havana early, go straight to the river, all the anglers jump out with their gear and go fishing, and then the rest of your group goes to Playa Larga, checks in, I think that day we have them set up to have lunch and go to the bee, the the hummingbird, the bee hummingbird sanctuary, which is really actually cool. Um, and then you've got a home base there. You stay at Casa Frank, which is this great place. Yeah. It's private, you know, again, a private casa in particular, but really roomy. I think it's got eight, eight rooms. Okay. Uh, something like that. And it's got a beautiful terrace and, a, you know, lots of tables for you to hang out and a bar up there where there's always somebody um, attending to you and, there's a soccer field right out in front. So yeah. you see kids that need a soccer ball, you can run out there with a soccer ball. I know where the soccer <laughs> yeah, field is right. at. So I, now I know yeah, where, yeah. where this That's is. That's where it is. So yeah. that, it's at that end of town. Okay. So that'll be a fun, a fun time. And for the people that are angling, they get one day on the river and three days on the saltwater flats. You you know make the point again here that you have to drive to the saltwater flats because it's in the marine you know the national park and so you can't stay in there so it's anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes to drive out there it depends on the condition of the road and how fast, and how fast the, the taxi yeah. driver wants to and Then you get out there you know. and you meet your guide and you, and you know, it's permit bonefish, you know, tarpon, snook, kuda, jack snapper, all that good stuff. Um, And then you just make sure to pull beer out of the cooler before you get in the, in the van for the road trip back. Right.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah. And w- one of the things I love about Las <laughs> Salinas is the, um, the, just the color of the flats. It's just white, like shout, mm-hmm. super shallow, sandy, yeah. like, I mean, it's, and there's a lot of bonefish. That, that's there, an understatement. Yeah, I can't, there's you know, I mean, it can bone be fish.
1: really exceptional bonefishing for yeah. sure. You know, I mean, and the other thing I think is cool about it. I mean, the flats are, are pretty big and are a lot of people that always ask about wading. And so there is a lot of wading that can be done there. What I did this last time is because I paired up, you know, with different people um, throughout my week. And I love to wade and fish for bonefish. And some people, that's not their thing. Sure. Right. So I would talk to the guest. A lot of times I'd say to the guide, okay, hey, man. You know, I'm sure you know a place where we can do this. Let me out. Meet me in an hour and a half. Yeah, and I would I, I would me. walk and wade and look for bonefish and catch some or not catch some. And that I'd see awesome. them. Yeah, I'd see them in the distance doing their thing. Yeah, whatever they're doing. And that person got to fish 100 percent of the time. Right, and I did too. You know, so I, that's awesome. Yeah, I that. think it's not a bad a bad way to go. But there's a lot of opportunity there for you know for bonefish, wade fishing, or fishing out of the boat. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of fish there that are. We call them mid-sizers, um, but they're big fish there. You've caught them and seen them, I know. Uh, pretty good permanent population there. And tarpon can be as good as how many are there because they come and go a lot. Right, right. So you've got the residents that really are always there in the mangroves, and then you get fish that come in and out of the deeper water depending upon rain and time of year. Time and, of year and yeah. water temperature and all that good stuff. Right, so it's pretty diverse, and it's you know one of the more diverse places in Cuba, which is great. Get yeah, little, get to see a little bit of everything and catch a little bit of everything. Yeah, hopefully. no,
0: it's very yeah. cool. Yeah, so our cultural trip, um, maybe you're interested in joining us on that, and there's information on our website that you can check out. There's links in the show notes and description. But we're doing a trip right before that where we're going to be just to the, I guess, directly west of mm-hmm. this Las Salinas area, aboard the Georgiana. and this is. Um, we'll try to add a little bit of cultural stuff in at the beginning, but this is just more of a fishing trip, um, for sure. But, um, but one of the things I always do on these trips when we're out on a boat, I always ask like the hostess to, to put some Cuban music on. They they always have like a little sound system thing and I'm like, play some Cuban music. I don't want any of us to forget where we're at because it's, you know, you're in the middle of the, you know, the, the sea and you're just watching the sunset over the mangroves and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, a you know, you're not near any people. There's no right. people around yeah, at all. It's super there, yeah. remote. Right. Um, which right. is, which is pretty cool for just like a, a, tropical flats fishing experience to have so much water that is just for your group mm-hmm. where you don't see, there's no other guides no other guy, people fishing, you know, no, no one's sport fishing, no one's subsistence mm-hmm. fishing. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's, you know, one of the things that's really particular about Cuba as well. I mean, you get used to going to other places in the world, Belize, Placentia, you know, I mean, Ascension Bay, Christmas Island, the Bahamas, Alaska. And, um, you know, people, if you've got money and you can start an operation, you can you can have an operation and it might mean that you've got eight other lodges. that are fishing the same water as you. Right. Um, you know, I was (laughs) was just talking to somebody about that this morning. You're, you know, you're in the float plane and you're like, Hey, where are those guys going? And they're like, Oh, that plane's going to where are you coming from? We're going to where they're, you know, they're coming from. And it's like, okay. And then Cuba, as your point is that the outfitter gets a license to, you know, for them and them only. And they're the only operators allowed to fish a particular geographic area right so that's why in zapata there are two so you've got the area of las salinas borders the bay of pigs and then to a line inland of you know the flats there's a line of demarcation that is theirs and then the other side where georgiana moores is there you know they're a licensed area and so as you said you are uniquely alone out there and that's the biggest comment i get from anglers that go to cuba is to say you know say we felt we felt like nobody had been there before, or it was newly
0: discovered, or, or right. something, yeah. something like that. It's like the know? largest private saltwater. Yeah. If it, you know, I mean, it's right. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Because
1: I mean, you knew your trip. Could have as many as 10, ten anglers yeah. something like that right depending upon how you guys end up uh, booking it but if you look at ten, 10 anglers in that amount of space how much space is i don't that? know, Do you know? like because it's as far west as they can go yeah really and it's it's just yeah it's you massive know? yeah and the flats themselves as flats near georgiana where you more are monstrous as you know yeah and there's all that stuff to explore that's against the peninsula itself all sure. that dark bottom mangroves and bays and stuff yeah. up there and so it's it's Massive,
0: and it, they don't it, even fish. They don't even fish. No, a there's bit. a lot
1: of it. They don't fish, and yeah. I, I love that feeling of, of uh, you know, because I, I hate competing with other people for fishing. Right, you know, like what happens here with steelheading, and people get up and they sit, you know, in a lawn chair at the, at the run with their head li- <laughs> hand lamp on. I mean, it's, it's yeah. what you have to do here, but you don't have to do that in Cuba. Yeah, and, and when so you're traveling,
0: video. to to travel, you know, far yeah. someplace, and then to to have competition in a far place, right you're like, oh man. Right. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I know. It's, it's super nice. Yeah. Well, well, so, I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, Cuba and how uh, kind of there's been, uh, how they've been impacted because they're so dependent on tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of other places that um, fly anglers travel to that mm-hmm. would be more or less similar as far as really um, uh, just dependent on tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've, and you've been to, I'm, um, guessing several different places since uh you know just kind of during this post-covid time Mm -hmm. so where some places uh you've been recently or uh some places that you've been um sending anglers yeah
1: sure sure well the good news is we're at a point now where boy finally most of those trips that got canceled and delayed and rolled over most of them have happened with the exception of christmas island which Which started started this week yeah and i was supposed to be there oh were you last i was supposed Uh, to be there
0: last week yeah so i was the last group group to be canceled on christmas
1: island first group went in two days ago so i mean you could say that yeah Christmas Island is probably the place that we know the best. That was the most affected. Sure, right? Because I mean, what else? That they, they, they get a few divers every year, maybe, uh, maybe they used to get a few surfers, but basically, it's an angling destination, right. and that's those are all the people that were going there, and they haven't had anybody in three years, something like that. Yeah. Most of the rest of the destinations that you're familiar with, you know, the Flywater books or that I book, um, are, are really in full operation now, and they're mostly booking new trips, new clients. It's not, you know, you had a reservation three years ago. You're finally getting to use your deposit. Right. You made that kind of thing in terms of places that, um, are still feeling the effects of it. I think everybody is still feeling the effects of it to a degree. Yeah. Right. I can't think of any, um, that are, are more stark than Cuba and, and Christmas Island. Okay. You know, honestly, yeah. um, you know that I do a lot of trips to Colombia. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places to go now. Um, you know they're feeling they're feeling a lot of things there. You're still feeling the effects of COVID. They're feeling the effects of you know all the uh, Venezuelan migrants that are coming in. Every country mm-hmm. has its own sure. sets of challenges. It seem, seems. But when it comes just to COVID and travel and everything, I think we're really recently at that point of things are more or less back to yeah to normal and up and running and new again new trips.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, as <clears> far <throat> as travel restrictions. <clears throat> Uh, around covid there's pretty much no other travel restrictions i just saw that they lifted kind of the last one which required vaccination coming into the states Mm -hmm. um but but other than that now it's you know so it's it's pretty yeah i mean there's there there, i'm
1: sure there's some particular ones seychelles maybe still has something you know places that are that confined yeah um like christmas island you know may still have some restrictions cuba has almost none now yeah. they don't really have any you know i mean you have to fill out paperwork but you don't have to you know you don't have to prove that you're vaccinated you don't have to do any kind of testing in or out of the country so it, it feels good to um, talk about new business because yeah. i mean for you know for people on the outside of what we do if you've been in the travel business for the last three years all you've been doing has been shuffling people right. And right. money right and trying to do your best yeah. to you know, make people happy that in a lot of cases we're losing money and, you know, you couldn't do a lot sometimes you couldn't do anything about it, sometimes you could help. But it was really frustrating. It was tough. Yeah. It was it was really it was really tough. I'm glad to be I'm glad to be through that. I gotta <laughs> yeah. say, you know. Well,
0: what are some of the things that you're excited about when it comes to fly fishing sure. travel, looking forward to the next, you know, 12 to 24 months? Yeah. Well, I wanted, I did want to go backwards
1: and I, I was going to interrupt you earlier when we started talking about the, the boat um, operations, and I wanted to finish up to talk about the cultural thing, right? Yeah. Because I will say that, you know, I mean, we travel, Blake and I've been to a lot of places. I've been to every location in Cuba and a lot of other places. That trip is my favorite trip. Yeah. It is, yeah. and I'm really proud of it, and I, I want to make that point to anybody listening. You're a great host. I know you know, you are, but I feel like you know, a lot of these times hosting a trip or organizing the trip, you're just doing the same job as the other guy at the other agency is doing, right? And the customer picks an agency, and the trip is the same. More, well, more or less. Well, you will. I mean, yeah. okay, there may be differences in the paperwork, et cetera, But yeah. um, you pick a lodge in Alaska, sure. you know, Royal Coachman or something like that. And, you know, I, I imagine there are four or five companies that book it and you go there and the lodge is the same and the fishing is the same no matter who you book it through. Sure. Again, your experience up front might be a little different. This trip is unique, right? people who go to Cuba and book a can trip. They, they're still going to do a car tour of, of Havana a walking tour maybe of Old Havana but they're not going to get to go see the dance company that you guys are going to get to go see yeah. they're not going to have the private concert with my musician friends that you guys are going to have they're not going to go to the grade school you know and that's stuff that I feel really proud of it's been a lot of work and a lot of time. a right. lot of it is just simply because I've been there so many times that I got lucky well you know how they say, luck, right? I I know I've told you the story, but the dance company that I now bring people to, I only know of because in the airport I was leaving Havana and there were a bunch of kids lined up next to me, kids, teenagers, all dressed in sweats and it said Detroit Dance Academy or something. And I said, you know, what were you guys doing? And they told me that they were doing this exchange with this dance company. And they said they're really good, really famous, called Litz Alfonso. Mm. They travel all around the world, right? And now... I know the guy there and know a bunch of the dancers now because I've been so many times and you get a private performance by these amazing dancers and you know, that kind of stuff you, you just don't get. And so I, I'm really proud of that trip. And I think that when I take people there and they do that trip, uh, they walk away going, Hey, that fishing was really fun. Right. Yeah. The culture part was great. Yeah. R- honestly. I mean, cause the fishing is great. There's great fishing in Bahamas, Christmas Island, Mexico, and everything else. Sure. Maybe not as good, but no place has the culture that you and I see and love, yeah. I think, in Cuba. Okay, so that's yeah. – that's. I want to make that point about that trip. Um, Other stuff that I'm excited about, I think there's a lot of stuff in South America that keeps coming, coming up and coming around. Yeah. I mean – it seems that every year there's some new place in Brazil. that has got some new fish, you yeah. know, right? Okay. That you can um, that you can you can target. Um, there's a new heli operation for Golden Dorado in Bolivia, so it's exceptionally expensive. But hey, you know, there's some of you out there that have a lot of money. I know, yeah. uh, right? It's like sixteen thousand dollars or something for the week. Be flying to places that oh you know, just for the nobody weekend. else can I go can for two to. weeks? So I'm excited about Jeez. it. I'll never get to go, <laughs> you know? uh, I'm sure might as well stay a month. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. I'll go back to it and, and say Colombia. Yeah, I'm very excited by that one. You need to do now. There's a couple different fishing there. There Columbia, are right? so Colombia is man. Colombia is a cool country. You know. So your lesson here, your geography lesson, everyone is that Colombia is the northwestern most country in South America. So it's in that left-hand corner, if you're looking at the map, it's in the left corner, it, man, Panama and the isthmus attaches to it and separates the Pacific Ocean from the Caribbean, right? So in this little country, it's not a very big country, it's got the Caribbean coast, it's got the Pacific coast, it's got the Orinoco Delta, the big river that drains into the Caribbean, that's got all the same fish that you find in the Amazon, right? It's got the second most biodiversity of any country in the planet, second to Brazil, it's got microclimates all over the place because the Andes, by the time they get to Columbia, split into three mountain ranges. So it makes it wow. exceptionally difficult to travel around, but it means that those mountain ranges have created habitats where you find animals and birds and one that you don't find in the next one over. Yeah. Where the music, dialect, food is different than this one than it is from this one over here. Very cool. So it's really interesting. For the fishing, there's two distinct um, sort of fishing um um, categories, if you will, the Pacific Coast, and it's uh-huh. mostly done around a place called Bahia Solano, and it's about seventy miles from the Panama. This has border. been on my list. I know I while. love it, oh. but but I also do make the point in starting out. To say you cannot be a, a fly fishing purist and go there uh, uh, because you. It's it, it's possible you can fly fish every day. You know, in every second of the day when you're there, it's not probable. Okay. So you have to be willing to do whatever it takes, but there's everything there. Right. And so when you go during the sardine run, that's the greatest time for fly fishing because the sardines are there and in in schools, then the fish will be feeding on them. And then you've got a chance to cast. And we're
0: talking Dorado, yellowfin tuna. Yep. Sail, um, billfish bill sailfish Sailfish, mostly sailfish mostly that time sails. of year B- okay. big
1: marlin later but mostly okay. sailfish that time of year then they've got cubera snapper mullet snapper uh that are there they've got roosterfish. they've got tarpon they've got snook and all Pompano and all other sorts of stuff wow it's hard to target a lot of those species because um unless you've got you find a school of sardines and there there might be a snapper up eating them Right. Then yeah. you're fly casting to compare a snapper that are 40 pounds. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But if you don't see that and you're just blind casting them on the rocks and stuff. Right. Right. You'll catch a pompano and then you'll catch a Jack and then you'll catch a snapper. And then and another you know. Jack. And then yeah. another Jack. But you know, people say, oh, I want to go there to go rooster fishing. No, don't go there to go rooster fishing. Go right. to Costa Rica, go to, to Baja yeah. to go rooster fishing. Right. Know that if you're there fishing, you might catch a rooster fish. Right. But, but to me, and I've, I mean, I started out fishing pretty young, like I'm sure you did. The most exciting fishing I've ever done, bar none, fly, spin, anything else, is fishing for yellowfin tuna with a spinning rod. I'm sorry. I apologize. With a popper? Yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun. I mean, casting with a fly rod when they're up feeding is is a gas. Right. For sure. But when they're traveling... And you're out there, you know. And these, these, these are beautiful boats. They got twin three hundreds on them. Yeah. And you're out, you know, a couple miles offshore, and you see the birds first. And the guide, you know, the mate will say, "Hey, see the birds." And so you start heading there, and then you see the dolphins. Suddenly, the dolphins are up, and there's a school of a thousand dolphins. Yeah. And you're looking, you're looking, and all of a sudden, you see the tuna, and they floor the boat. Right, it goes forty. And you're there holding on, you got yeah. the spinning rod in one yeah, hand, you're, you're trying to not cast. to let the plug swing around right. and you know and you got the bail flipped already. Right. Yep. Right? And you're listening just for the boat to change pitch. Yeah. And as soon as you hear yeah. you jump up and you cast the thing as far as you can. The plug is And
0: you reel it as fast as you can, and right? You and chug like this. it and it
1: kills you because you've cast two hundred feet. Yeah. And you're pulling, you know, it's all that drag on that thing. Sure. And all of a sudden you just see this. <laughs> you just know, the and it's this explosion and immediate, you know, yeah. you see those things with the reels, just go grazing and it's just, you just laughing yeah. your ass off. And the good news is most of the tuna are 15 to 30 pounds. Nice. Most of them. Yeah. They're 40, 50s, 200 pounders. there too for sure. But a lot of them are manageable, even on a fly rod. You know, yeah. if you know how to fight a fish, you get your 30 pounder and you can land it in, you know, 12 or 15 minutes versus somebody you know somebody who isn't putting the bend of the rod will take them a lot longer but you can land those fish yeah so it's it's great great food great scenery the jungle comes right down to the ocean Hmm. big rocks sandy beaches um i I love that and then the other one is the in you know the jungle fishing so it's peacock bass payara um, all that stuff. And I become a huge fan of that fishing. What's a payara? It's a payara vampire fish. Ooh. Right? So yeah. you've seen the pictures of them. It's the, it's the big, sexy fish. So the outfitter that we use there, that Flywater uses, and I I feel, you know, I really feel close to these guys. Because I, I sort of d- discovered them on Flywater's part. They didn't get discovered by me. Other people have been using them. But I kind of found them as a, a reliable source for us to book uh, for Columbia. And they're just great great guys and they've got two camps now out in the jungle the first one we started going to is a floating you know floating cabins Yep. okay you know they don't move them they tow them up into a beach but then they have to remove them at the end of the season and it's all peacocks right cool super cool but it's all peacocks and it's a real kind of a fun vibe the the you the the cabins were pulled up onto a big sandy beach you don't know, imagine that those those rivers that that have peacocks in the jungle have beautiful beaches they do yeah stunning beaches yeah crazy um, you got a big fire pit. You hang out there at night under the stars because there's no there's no lights around. You have yeah. the, you have very nice food, not gourmet, not fancy, but really hearty, good food, and it's great. And it's not expensive. It's forty three hundred bucks or something, forty four. The other one that they just opened last year, and that did, I did two weeks this year, and I'm doing two weeks next year, is in my opinion even a little bit better because it's peacocks and pyara, the vampire fish. Okay. And it's two distinctly different fisheries, so it's great. They built a lodge you know, next to a river called the River in eastern Colombia, and you're not that far from the Orinoco itself. So all those rivers from the Colombian side and from the Venezuelan side all drain into the Orinoco, like rivers in Brazil drain into the Amazon, ultimately. And all those rivers have peacock bass and other stuff. Payara tend to live in faster water. So they might be on some of those rivers, but they'll be in the Orinoco where there are rapids. So what you do is you stay at the lodge in the jungle and you fish two days for peacocks mostly in lagoons that are created by the water dropping from the high water season to low water season. And they've got they've got dugouts and boats stashed all throughout the jungle and you walk in five or ten minutes and get, you know, the poor guide is carrying all your fly rods and cooler and everything else, you know. You're like, ah, yeah. you're paid, you know, gringos walking in there, you know. And they walk walk in and they've got a boat ready for you and maybe a little electric motor on it and you fish this stuff that again looks like nobody's ever been there before. So great, and you get two days of that, and the peacocks there are anywhere from 2 pounds to 22 pounds. Some really big ones. We'll be cutting some big ones this year. Third boarding, you get up early, and you go downriver in this big uh, motorboat that they have, meet the Orinoco, go downstream another 20 minutes or so, and they've got a tent camp that they've set up. And Tent camp meaning really beautiful wall tents on platforms. Bathroom showers, the cook comes with you, and you fish the rapids for payara. It's really cool. I've never seen any place that looked like it. Hmm. It was a little bit like being on the moon, honestly. Wow. The rock structures that that are there are I again completely unique. Huh. I've never seen anything like it. And where the fish live, you can't believe. You're yeah. Like that's that water is moving 20 miles an hour, or, you know, or if 30 in miles there, an hour. In there. You want me to cast it there? And they're like, Yeah, they're underneath the fast stuff, yeah, because it's so full of big rocks down below. They'll be in the sure. big rocks okay. looking up the whole time. And so they see something above them and they rip up and grab it, and then it's off to the races. Because again, the water they've got a big, huge paddle tail, wow, and they get in the current. And how, they're in so, how backing. big do these fish get? They get 25 30 pounds. Now, a lot of the fish were eight to 15, sure. Or tremendous fish. So you know, are so. you fishing a nine weight? Or nine nine, and ten. Nine ten and is ten. probably even better because you're fishing a sinking line, a big fly. Flies are really big, but they're not um, – the ones that are designed for that aren't bulky. Okay. So they're a lot of flash and stuff. So they're not sure. that bad to cast even though they're that long. Yeah. You know? Okay. So not terrible. Um, so it's it's totally unique. And again, same thing from the guests that i had in both those weeks we went by, back and did two more days of peacock fishing by the way so you have four days of peacock and two days of pyro cool. all of them said that two days yeah. was something i will never forget and again it was partly about the fish but it was more about these islands that were made out of these rocks that had craters in them that you know yeah. full of water and and um you know looked like they were black i mean like they were covered in oil they're, yeah. they're shiny black really. and they look like they're slippery and they're not, you know, and i have never seen anything like it. Huh. So you should look up, if you look up the Orinoco yeah. ra- river and rapids. And have you posted any pictures yeah, on I your have. Instagram? Yeah, I have. Well, more on my website where I'm, I'm advertising hosted trips. Okay. Um, I've got some on there and I've got some good ones. It's really cool. Very so cool. I'm really excited about Colombia. I also think it's a great uh, country to do a combination of fishing and then add on three or four days, go to the coffee country um, you know, go to some more, more traditional Colombian, small pueblos and villages, um, you know, go go to the Caribbean coast, see Cartagena. Well, Cartagena is what Havana what could be, hmm. is what Cartagena is. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, yeah I, I'm really excited about, about Colombia. Um, I don't think I'm excited about anything else. But no, <laughs> no, I really want to get back. I know there's new places in Argentina and Chile that I've not been to and I want okay. to go to. I think there's a lot. I think there's there's always new yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot
0: of fun stuff. How about you? I mean, I'm just really excited for Cuba this next year and, um, and just really appreciate you helping me put these trips together. Pleasure. Um, Love doing it. You know, I mean, it, it, you're easy to work with. And, uh, you know, I know some people try to put, put their own stuff together, you know, working, uh, with Avalon or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I, I would, I, I think it's <laughs> makes a lot of sense just to work with you Good. and it takes a lot of, uh, headaches, uh, away. And, um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to say some stuff politically. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> Anyways, um, but uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Gig Harbor Flycast. We have all sorts of links in the description and the show notes below for John's website. And we'll link your Instagram account too okay. because you post some really great mm-hmm. photos on there. We'll link your YouTube channel as well because you do have some great stuff uh, for Cuba on there as well. And if you would love to go on a trip, we would love to host you. John and I both host trips and. Hopefully we'll see you on a trip with us in the future.